Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Today is Monday, October 5th, 2020. Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Donald Trump being released from the hospital in a few moments. He's still in danger to those and to those around him. We'll talk to a microbiologist about that whole issue and how the White House has turned into a coronavirus hotspot. In North Carolina, more than 11% of mail ballots that have been returned have been rejected. We'll dig into the reasons they are really affecting African-Americans. In South Carolina, the battle between Jamie Harrison and Lindsey Graham is tightening. They debated on Saturday. We'll show you some of that. And in Michigan, has your voter registration been purged? We'll talk with investigative journalist Greg Pallast. Millions of people are at risk losing power and water as massive unpaid utility bills pile up. What's the government doing about it? We'll talk to an official in D.C. And Rochester, New York Mayor Lovely Warren has been indicted on campaign finance charges. 
and a Connecticut sports anchor was fired after calling South Carolina Senator Tim Scott and Uncle Tom on Twitter. Speaking of Twitter, they're making changes to its artificial intelligence system to find out why it sometimes cuts black people's faces out of photos. And Operation Hope founder John Hope Bryan is here with his new book of hope, plus Fit Live Win with fitness expert Jim Jones, why any movement is important to get fit. Folks, it's time to bring the funk. I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the find. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling. Folks, Donald Trump is leaving the hospital today after being diagnosed with COVID-19 and spending just three days there, of course, interrupted by a spin around the block yesterday to greet his fans, which is pretty stupid. As of today, there are 7.45 million confirmed cases of coronavirus and 210,000 Americans have died. His treatment and quick release is raising lots of questions. Of course, uh, he uh, took to Twitter. You you, you want to talk about just crazy, uh, folks. Let, Let me pull up this tweet to show you literally the level of ignorance uh, of Donald Trump. Uh, He he sent a tweet out today saying that he was going to be uh, leaving, uh, leaving the White House. But 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 listen to literally what uh, he said uh, in this uh, idiotic tweet, which looks what has he taken it down? Uh, Because I was going to pull it up here uh, where he 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 actually announced before the doctors did that he was going to be leaving uh, at 6.30 uh, and talked about how, oh, basically how he's beaten uh, coronavirus and he hasn't, hasn't felt this good in 20 years. Yo, I, I don't even understand the logic behind that. Uh, but uh, uh, some folks did have something to say about it, of course, when he went. Uh, the rep replies had this to say, and Alex, he was really on point. This message for the president. You finna quarantine? Quarantine? So no, so you're trying to listen? Listen? You don't listen? No! Don't come talking about doing some CDC guideline. You don't listen to CDC. Remember? CDC don't know what they talking about. I dare you. Disrespect. Mega land like that and start listening to direction. Y'all don't listen to no directions. Y'all is the directions, remember? You finna quarantine. You scared. You scared. Get out of here. Back in these streets. These people wanna rally tonight, man. And you in the bunker. Get out the bunk and get back out here in these streets. There ain't no corona. You finna quarantine. We in this together. No, we ain't. 
all in this. We ain't in nothing. Sleeping Joe. He's weak, sleeping Joe. But now you want a quarantine. Get out here now. In these streets. Throw some more pro. Get back on Air Force One. And I better not see no masks on you. You don't wear masks. Y'all don't wear masks. You want quarantine. Oh, you tested positive for COVID. COVID, man. Joining me now is Dr. Christy McDowell, a microbiologist and CEO and founder of Baby Scientist Inc. Dr. McDowell, glad to have you on Roller Martin Unfiltered. We've had all these news conferences with his doctors not wanting to release some information. There's no way in the world this man gets coronavirus last week, all of a sudden taking these experimental drugs uh, and uh, should be leaving the hospital, potentially infecting others. We already know 19 people uh, who have been at the White House have tested positive. Today, Kaylee McEnany, the press secretary, who yesterday addressed reporters without a mask on, and she kept saying how she tested negative. Well, guess what? Today, she tested positive. This is, this is an example of you can, you can come into contact with somebody and test negative for three or four days and then test positive. That's exactly right, Roland. Uh, thanks for having me today. Um, the president leaving the hospital is completely and totally reckless and is totally dangerous because he is still highly contagious. He has active virus in his body right now. And he also has a very high viral load, meaning he is very contagious. And so um, going to the White House, he can spread it so easily. And I saw in um, the van, a van photo when he went to go um, uh, greet his people outside of Walter Reed, he had on a uh, just a simple little face mask. He needed an N95 mask on, you know, for someone who has active coronavirus in their body who is totally infectious. And walking around the White House, the, the staffers, he's putting them at, at risk. And one thing that people forget is, yes, those staffers may be wearing masks, but another portal of entry is through the eyes. And so just because he may have a mask will not protect them from getting coronavirus if he is in the White House. Another thing that's important to remember is that the White House doesn't have the level of filtration that a hospital does. You know, the hospital has the high-end HEPA filters that can filter out viral particles. The White House does not have that. And the CDC put back on their website today that to confirm that the virus is airborne, something that he and his administration and his followers want to deny. This virus, once it is in the air, can stay in the air for a matter of time which is significant before it will fall to the ground or disappear. So it's, it's very reckless and dangerous for him to be going back to the White House because um, everyone is going to be at risk. This is, um, uh, and, and the thing about it is when you look at staff, I mean, these folks uh, are going back home. Um, Kaylee, uh, excuse me, um, Kellyanne Conway, uh, she tested positive. Now her daughter is freaking out on TikTok saying, hell, she may have infected me. 
Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, um, before uh, Kellyanne uh, mentioned it, you know, her daughter put on TikTok and it was like, mom is around here coughing her butt off, you know, around the house, which was a major sign. Because, you know, you saw at the uh, Rose Garden uh, conference when uh, Kellyanne was talking to Barr uh, up close. She's at home with her family, and that's what will happen with the other staffers in the White House who do not have the medical um, capabilities, uh, access to the drugs, and access to the level of care that the president does. These people who um, have regular health care will not have that type of care if they get sick, and they won't have the ability to get steroids and, you know, invest investigational drugs and antibodies to fight off the disease and feel like they're 20 years younger, you know? So that's, that's the danger in it all, is that these staffers could contract that uh, virus and take it home to their children, families, and many people live with their um, elderly parents, and that will be dangerous as well. Uh, the thing that, again, this is still, it, all of a sudden, he's trying to act like, oh, uh, hey, I beat this thing. You got Republicans running around saying, oh, Trump, uh, he beat back uh, coronavirus. 210,000 people are dead. There are a number yeah. of people having the after effects. And also, let's be clear, 99.9999% um, of Americans don't have free health care, don't have access to the experimental drugs. The drugs that he's getting, only 300 people have been able to uh, use these experimental drugs so far. That's right, Merlin, because the, the drug that he's uh, being administered is remdesivir. It is an investigational drug that is still in clinical trials. It's still in a clinical trials field. I, I believe it's in um, uh, clinical phase three. Um, he also was able to get a antibody concoction, um, and antibodies are the proteins that uh, our body makes. And these antibodies were isolated from people who previously had coronavirus, so they are able to um, attack the virus uh, directly. And so these are these are drugs that no one in the world has access to right now, but him. And 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 so people who own regular health care who have no health care at all will not have access to these drugs. And and that what that's what makes his. Um, Tr uh, transfer back to the White House so dangerous because his staff, you know, drivers, the butlers, the cooks, they don't have access to this type of health care that can provide the, the level of those level of drugs that he is getting. And so for him to say, oh, don't worry about coronavirus. Yes, people still need to worry about coronavirus. It's out here. It's alive. It's infectious. People need to wear their masks. They need to continue to wash their hands and they can continue need to continue to social distance because those are the things that will keep us safe, us regular people out here in these streets. Um, the One of the things that, again, jumps out when you, t when you talked about uh, that N N95 mask, first of all, which is very hard to actually get for those yes. of the rest of us, is it a cloth mask with a filter? So exactly what should the rest of us uh, be wearing as well? So... Yes, like you said, the N95 masks, they are the type of, um, they are medical-grade masks. Those are masks that the, the uh, hospital um, staff will wear, the doctors, the nurses. Um, it's also masks that uh, scientists will wear when we work with infectious diseases such as Ebola, coronavirus, SARS. Um, those, those masks have a filter that is um, small enough to filter out a particle that is small like a virus. A virus is, is, is so small that 
you know, it's, it's, you cannot see it with the human eye and you have to have a high powered microscope in order to see it. And so that, um, the 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 filter in those N95 N95s is is very important and so um so for him that is something that he should have been wearing so that he could block the passage of that virus now for everyday people yes a regular mask will do because there has been many um uh scientific um studies out that shows that the regular cloth mask that everyday people wear is just fine Right, it will block, you know, at least 75, 80 percent of your um, spit that is that comes out when you talk, when you cough, when you sneeze. So those masks are uh, totally fine, and I encourage everyone to continue to wear them. Now, for someone who is highly contagious as the president and who has access to everything, he should have been wearing an N95 mask to protect the people around him, especially being in a closed vehicle with his Secret Service detail. All right, then. Uh, Doc, we certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Thank you, Martin. I appreciate it. All right, folks. Our panel, Dr. Avis Jones, Weaver, political analyst, Eugene Craig, CEO, Eugene Craig Organization, Teresa Lundy, principal founder, TML Communications. Folks, today on the campaign trail, uh, this was Jill Biden uh, being very cognizant of the need for social distancing. Joe Biden was standing way too close to reporters. She took it upon herself to move Biden back. Watch this. Uh, so again, uh, you, so you see right there where she's like, oh, yeah, you need to pull you back. Uh, right. That's what should be happening. We also, of course, are seeing we also are seeing uh, right now this back and forth, uh, how the, the Trump people are, are basically making light uh, of uh, Senator uh, Kamala Harris. Um, you have folks uh, who, um, first of all, they they've agreed to move apparently the podiums uh, 13, uh, 13 feet apart. Uh, the Biden people, excuse me, uh, the, the Harris people are talking about potentially erecting uh, a plexiglass barrier. This was the barrier that was in place on Saturday night. Uh, Jamie Harrison brought his own plexiglass uh, 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 barrier uh, in his debate with Lindsey Graham. Uh, and then if you have uh, Katie Miller, uh, who is a uh, spokeswoman for the Trump campaign, uh, basically making light of that. This is the same Katie Miller who's married to Stephen Miller who actually got coronavirus earlier. And, uh, Teresa, the CDC uh, recommends that if you're in the workplace, if you can, to erect such barriers. I agree. This is the time where we cannot take our lives lightly. Millions have died um, globally and thousands have died nationally. And I think, you know, for when the president gets coronavirus and his team is getting coronavirus, you know, I, I mean, essentially it looks like the only people that are safe are the vice president's team. So it looks like they'll be moving in the White House pretty soon. But I think we're all, all over. We're seeing a national attempt to, okay, you know what? Maybe we will start looking at CDC guidelines. Maybe we will start taking precautionary methods. But again, if, if your life matters to you, then you need to be taking the, the proper protocols, hand washing, um, temperature checks, um, PPE, if you have it, if you don't, go get it, and make sure you share it with a friend. But, you know, I know here 
right here locally, we just got finished opening up at 50% capacity for restaurants. In indoor, that's a huge risk. Like, I, I am still opposed to, to doing that. I'm also um, just still doing takeout at this time and cooking more at home. But I think it's to each his own. You know, I, you know people want to feel comfortable, but at, at the end of the day, you have to be safe. Uh, absolutely. Bottom line here, um, uh, Eugene, uh, this is an idiot we're dealing with, an idiot uh, who is all about attention-seeking. He is so desperate for attention. That, that little drive-by yesterday was abysmal, putting those Secret Service agents at risk. Uh, he doesn't care. And so this, this whole deal now, the 630 deal, he's doing that to time it with the national broadcast outlets. He wants everybody covering him, getting out of the hospital. That's all this is. Yeah, look, look, that's all it is. It's a big show for him, right? Um, at this point, all they're concerned about is the next 30 days of his election, um, his health be damned. Um, the thing is this. Friday when he Well, his health be damned, and, and his staff and White House personnel's health be damned. Yeah, well, look, it comes down to power, right? Um, you know, it's, it's, hey, we need, we can't have this guy laid up in Walter Reed and the world, you know, watching and his poll numbers steadily dropping um, to the point where, you know, Biden may rack up 400 electoral college votes um, because, you know, now, you know, Trump did his best to chase corona. He finally caught corona. Um, you know, as I, I posted over the weekend, I said, my only regret is that the 210,000 people that, that have died from corona of no fault of their own, I wish they had the same level of access to health care that this guy had that spent, you know, part of his time spreading misinformation about corona, part of his time using his actual power to um, help to spread, and a part of his time doing his best to chase it to finally catch it. Avis, uh, what we're dealing with here is uh, a psychopath. Uh, that's what his sister Mary Trump calls him. Uh, I trust nothing that his doctors say. Uh, they are not being honest and truthful to the American people. Uh, and frankly, when their lips are moving, they're lying. Absolutely. And I completely agree. He is a psychopath. Uh, because only a psychopath uh, would have been as irresponsible as he was today with that particular tweet. But it's in line with how he acts anyway. I mean, just really think about this. He literally received hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of medical care. When you're thinking about everything that happened from his flight over there to all of the time that he spent there to his flight back and everything, I am sure he had at least, you know, over $100,000 worth of medical care. Yet we know he just paid $750 in taxes. And we know that this sort of stunt, because something isn't adding up here, something isn't adding up here. The timeline of when he got it or something's not adding up here is just not right. But he has been doing um, publicity stunts the entire time. All of those staged photos, now the staged exit. Now to be as irresponsible as to, instead of talking about the importance of people being able to uh, follow the guidelines and wear a mask, he is in fact encouraging people not to. Put this in line with what he has done most recently. He's sidelined Fauci. He's even sidelined Bricks. And he's brought in someone as his main advisor who's not even an epidemiologist, but someone who is, in fact, in favor of herd immunity. What he is trying to do is he's trying to kill you. Basically, they have told you what they're doing. They have given up on coronavirus. They've just, like, forget it. Every man, woman, and child for himself. 
And even though I'm going to have my privileged access to things that you will never get, including pretty much a, a, hosp a smaller hospital-like status within the White House, you go ahead out there and do whatever you have to do, just as long as we can, quote unquote, get this economy back. I don't care. He doesn't care how many bodies he has to step over to do it. But I just hope that the American people can see through this so that they can make sure that he is the one that's going to be seeing the exit come November 3rd. Uh, folks, uh, we're seeing, of course, a lot of people out here who are voting as a result of the election. Uh, and what that is leading to uh, is to some issues in North Carolina, of course. And we're seeing the exact same thing take place uh, where 11 percent of mail-in ballots that have been returned in North Carolina's Guilford County and Greensboro have been rejected. That's more than six times the statewide rejection rate. 20 percent of mail-in ballots returned by black voters in Guilford County have been rejected so far compared to 7 percent of those returned by white voters. Joining us now is Tomas Lopez, executive director of Democracy North Carolina. Tomas, first of all, uh, okay, they're being rejected. Are they notifying voters that they're being rejected, or do folks even know that their ballots uh, are not being uh, are not being counted? Well, thanks for having me, Roland. And actually, you raise a really important point here. Uh, when we talk about voters who are having their ballots, you mentioned the term rejected. We're actually trying to actually say to people, look, your ballot in many cases has not actually been officially rejected, and that there is a process that right now is on hold, but that our organization has been working to put in place. We want a court ruling in August, and there's some more things to come in the coming days on that to make sure that when voters have some kind of issues on their ballot, that before that ballot is actually formally rejected, that they actually get a chance to correct it. So there was a court ruling in August that said that the state has to be providing voters with that opportunity, you know, we call it to cure their ballot. And there has been a lot of ambiguity around it in terms of the implementation over the last couple of weeks. And so we're back in court this week to hopefully get some clarity for those voters to make sure that actually those are not final rejections and that they can have their ballot actually counted by filling out some kind of form. The other thing I would add, too, is that thankfully it's early enough in the voting process that if for some reason those voters' ballots, they say, well, they are rejected, they don't count, I know that th those voters are going to be given a chance to fill out a new ballot, and that's one of the things that is, frankly, part of the procedure that election officials need to be following. But there is a lot happening at this moment, and I want to both you know, sound, one, the concern you know, that we're seeing around ballots not being counted, but two, you know, some level of assurance that, you know, we are supposed to have a cure process that is continued to be worked on. And hopefully sooner rather than later, we'll get clarity on uh, what the final version of that will look so like. So how are folks notified? I mean, so if, if, if there are issues with their ballot, then do, does someone call them? Is there an email? Does is a letter go out? Uh, and then how long does that actually take? So what's that process? Uh, because clearly North Carolina is a battleground state. You've got Roy Cooper on the ballot You got uh, for governor. You got Cal Cunningham, who was running, uh, obviously, against Tom Tillis for the United States Senate. North Carolina could flip uh, towards uh, Joe Biden away from Donald Trump, just like Obama won in 2008. So North Carolina is a critical, critical state uh, because if you're Biden and you win North Carolina, that lessens the need to win uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, or Pennsylvania. Well, one of the things that you mentioned, Roland, that that's really important here is, you know, that that notification process is built into the clarity that we actually do need from our election officials and the courts. And to play out what's happened here is that we won a court ruling in August that said 
North Carolina, you need to have a cure process. Our state election officials created a cure process. And then what happened was subsequent to another lawsuit, they revised that process in late September. A few days after they revised that process, uh, new litigation was filed by the Republican National Committee and the Donald Trump campaign challenging that process. And so right now, the voters' ballots that would otherwise kind of go through the full procedure and if they had some kind of deficiency about getting a phone call and or an email and or something in the mail, that's all on hold for a little while, hopefully not more than a few days. So I don't have an answer for you tonight about, hey, here is exactly how the process is going to work, except to say that we know there's going to be some scope for voters, at least some voters who have some issues with their ballots, to one, be notified that there is an issue, and two, given the opportunity for its account without having to go fill out a whole new ballot. All right, then. Uh, Tomas Lopez with Democracy North Carolina. We certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. These are the kind of things that we are uh, dealing with, folks. 28 days, 28 days before Election Day. That is where we stand right now. We have been saying to you uh, for the longest on this particular show, we have been saying, I need you to check your ballot. I need you to go to uh, IWillVote.com. That's why we keep that graphic right there on our lower third, IWillVote.com and also Vote.org. So you can check your registration to see if you have been purged. We're going to be talking with Greg Palace. Let me know when he's on about that issue, the purging that has been taking place and how they, a lot of them have been erroneous. If you go to Vote.org, go back. Here's the deal, folks. Click check your registration. That's where you can check to see if you have been purged. I have had half a dozen people who watch this show every single day hit me up uh, to tell me that they uh, have been impacted by uh, the uh, vote purging. And so we want you uh, to please double check your status to see if you uh, actually have been purged. You can also register to vote. Now let's pull the graphic up. There are deadlines today. Uh, all across the country to register, okay? Uh, if you're in Arizona, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Hawaii, Indiana, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Ohio, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, today is your deadline. Tomorrow, the deadline is Illinois, Nevada, and New Mexico. Wednesday, Missouri, that is your deadline to register to vote. Even though voting is taking place in North Carolina, you have until Thursday to register for this election. Idaho, New York, North Carolina, and Oklahoma as well. Delaware is Friday. All of that is important because, folks, at the end of the day, it's real simple. If you're not registered, uh, you can't vote as well. And so those things are critically important. And so we've got to make sure. I keep asking all of you, just simply reach out to uh, 10 friends of yours and simply say, hey, are you registered? If you're not, tell them exactly where they can go. Iwillvote.com. Go to vote.org as well for them to be able uh, to uh, to vote. And so that's important for us uh, to uh, to do that, okay? That's important for us to do that. Today also, uh, this is the early voting in South Carolina. This is what Jamie Harrison put out today. Today, absentee voting in South Carolina begins today. South Carolina does not have uh, does not have early voting, but it's only absentee voting. And so uh, that begins today. Speaking of Jamie Harrison, there was a debate that took place uh, on Saturday between him and Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham uh, is real concerned, uh, is real concerned about uh, this particular race uh, and, and what, how it will actually impact 
uh, the voters there. He complained often in that particular debate. Uh, and then uh, about uh, Jamie Harrison, all his money he is being raised. One of the issues that came up dealt with that of the Supreme Court. Uh, and remember, Lindsey Graham said, use my own words against me. Even in Trump's final year, if a Supreme Court vacancy comes up, we're not going to fill it. Uh, uh, Jamie Harrison reminded him of that at the debate on Saturday. Son, you change the rules. Every, he changes the rules every time he gets. You know, Senator, you said, use my words against me. And you said it after the Kavanaugh meetings, not before the Kavanaugh hearings, after the Kavanaugh hearings. And your words, your promise was that no uh, judicial nominee should be uh, considered or approved or what have you in the last year of an election. And you even named President Trump when you said it. And so this is my thing. You know, my grandfather always taught me, he said, Jamie, a man is only as good as his word. Well, Senator, how good is your word when you made a promise to the American people? And even more, you made a promise to the folks in South Carolina that you wouldn't be doing what you're doing right now. It reminds me of playing Monopoly with my son. You changed the... I showed you earlier that plexiglass uh, that was actually set up. Uh, between uh, the two of them and the issue, of course, uh, the pandemic also came up in this debate. This is what uh, Harrison had, say, had to say about that. This has impacted me personally, Judy. My uh, granddaunt Gladys passed away this July in a nursing home by herself. That is the story that so many Americans are experiencing right now. And part of why we're experiencing, no, we're not going to blame the president. We shouldn't blame the president. We shouldn't blame anybody for the, the inception of this disease. But where blame should come is how we handle this disease, whether or not we take it seriously. You know, tonight I am taking it seriously. That's why I put this plexiglass up, because, you know, it's not just about me. It's about the people in my life that I have to take care of as well. My two boys, my wife, my grandmother. We need to make sure we are addressing the issue here in South Carolina. We have had 750,000 people unemployed here in South Carolina because of the COVID. We've had 3,000 people to die. We've had over 100,000 uh, to be infected. Let's take this issue seriously and do all that we can to not only take care of ourselves, but each other. Joining us right now is Meg Kennard. She is the Associated Press uh, correspondent there in South Carolina. Uh, she, of course, has been covering this race, was at the debate. She's national national politics reporter, national politics reporter for Associated Press. All right, Meg, uh, give us a sense. Uh, that uh, that, um, <laughs> that plexiglass was uh, pretty interesting. Uh, what, was, was anyone aware that uh, Harrison was going to bring that with him? Certainly none of us there in the audience. And hello, Roland. It's good to be back with you as always. You know, when I walked into to the debate hall that night, a couple hours before game time, and saw that partition, I was kind of wondering, okay, which candidate side is that? Because they weren't labeled. And through talking to some folks there, realized that that was what Jamie Harrison had requested. His campaign told me that they wanted that set up pretty much because Lindsey Graham, through his roles in the Senate and heading up the Judiciary Committee and his relationship with President Trump, he's been around a lot of people who've recently um, uh, released the results of positive COVID tests and come down with COVID. And so the Harrison campaign said that per CDC guidelines and recommendations that anybody who has contact with someone who turns up to be positive, that they should quarantine. And now, you know, both men t said that they tested negative the day before the debate. 
But Harrison's campaign said they weren't taking any chances for those reasons that Jamie noted during the debate, but also perhaps to make a point that was very visible. What has been the reaction uh, in, in the state to this particular debate? Uh, there were a lot of very pointed questions. Uh, these moderators should have been there for the first uh, Trump uh, Biden debate. Uh, they uh, definitely kept people uh, on point and on task. Uh, but it seemed as if uh, Graham was real nervous. He was rocking constantly the whole time. He knows that he could very well lose this race. He has not faced any type of opposition like this since he has run for the, since he's been a United States senator. This is definitely the closest general election that Senator Graham has had in South Carolina. I'm not sure if it's something we talked about last time, but you know, six years ago when he ran. The fundraising in that race didn't even get up to $8 million, and now we're talking about more than $60 million. So this is definitely a different kind of campaign. But folks who watched that debate, I don't really think it changed a whole lot of minds. I think that both candidates got a lot of their points out there and spoke to constituencies that are likely watching them very closely, but already probably supporting them. And so for that sliver of voters in the middle, who've yet to make up their minds, who aren't sure who's which candidate's going to get their support, they probably still have a little bit more thinking to do since, you know, that was there was a lot of very partisan talk. There was a lot of painting this race in kind of national strokes in terms of, you know, tying each candidate to a more national ideology and not just representing the issues of South Carolina. We all know that the balance of the Senate is at stake, and so there's a lot going on there. But all in all, in these closing weeks, these candidates are really going to have to continue to get their message out because, as we've seen, it, from all appearances, this race has tightened up a whole lot in the last couple of months. Uh, what is, uh, what, where is it going to be decided? And again, why all of a sudden is it tightened? Uh, is, is it because there are a number of people who are simply dissatisfied with Donald Trump's job? I mean, look, no, this is considered a, a, a deep red state, uh, and Republicans look at this as a guaranteed uh, victory. Uh, Donald Trump is up, uh, you know, in a significant way over Joe Biden in South Carolina. But why is this race tight? Yeah, this is still South Carolina, where Republicans are in every statewide elected office, control both chambers of the legislature and most of our congressional delegation. So, you know, a, a South Carolinian a Democrat hasn't been sent to Washington from South Carolina statewide in quite some time. And so really, you know, when you look at the voters in this state who do vote straight party, a lot of them vote Republican straight party. And if those voters are going and supporting Donald Trump, then in order to not also be supporting Lindsey Graham, they wouldn't be able to do that and would have to kind of parse out those, those Republican offices. Jamie Harrison knows that he needs to be able to cleave away some of that support and continues to make that argument. But one of the reasons why this race has gotten so much attention is because from its very inception, Jamie got a lot of national attention, got national fundraising dollars. That's why you've seen the fundraising on this side of the race totally balloon compared to cycles past. Democrats in South Carolina generally don't raise this kind of money, and a lot of his money has come from elsewhere. Those people can't vote here, but they certainly have been able to get Jamie the money that he's needed to stay on the airwaves to do the kind of advertising that a lot of Democrats in this region generally don't have the opportunity to do, particularly with Senator Graham's position as chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee. There are a lot of eyes on him in that role as well, 
So given the Supreme Court nominating process that's going on, that just adds another layer of interest to this contest. Uh, but also, I just saw that uh, outside PACs about to drop 10 million bucks to help Lindsey Graham. So he's certainly not complaining about their outside money. Yeah, the Senate Leadership Fund has recently announced that they're going to be spending $10 million in the closing weeks of this race to support Senator Graham. So certainly there's been a lot of PAC activity going on on both sides, but that is certainly a, a last-minute kind of sign of strength in terms of helping keep his message out there. Senator Graham's fundraising has not been shabby. He and Jamie Harrison have been just about matched in terms of the amount of money that they themselves, through their campaigns, have been bringing in. So everyone here, as well as on national cable as well, but there have been a whole lot of ads being run. You can barely turn on the TV without seeing one from one side or the other or a political action committee or another third party group. So, yes, it's going to get even more intense in the last couple of weeks. Last question for you. Jamie Harrison desperately needs massive black turnout. Coronavirus has obviously impacted all of that uh, in terms of being able to directly engage with voters. Are we seeing significant amounts of energy among African-Americans in South Carolina getting behind his candidacy? You're right. He certainly needs that. And a lot of the voters that I've talked to throughout the campaign, particularly black voters, since they do make up most of the Democratic voters here, are very excited about Jamie. Obviously, South Carolina already has a black senator in Tim Scott, who happens to be a Republican. But in terms of Jamie's candidacy, yes, it does seem like there's a lot of interest, particularly among black voters. I was out at the Richland County Voting Office today because in-person absentee voting started here in South Carolina. And I talked to many voters, some of them African-American, who are very excited about this race. And they're out there on the very first day that they could actually vote in person to go ahead and cast their ballots. So among all voters in South Carolina, I think that there is, you know, we went through that whole presidential primary process. There's been a whole lot of attention on this state for a very long time. And that time. was massive turnout in that primary. That was a lot of turnout. You're right. Record-setting turnout in the Democratic primary, which was open to voters in both parties. You didn't just have to be a Democrat. But that does certainly portend that we're, we'll be looking at significant numbers of voters in the general election, too. All right, then. Meg Kennard, Associated Press. We surely appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Always good to see you. All right. Thanks a lot. Folks, I told you about the, uh, of course, the disenfranchisement we are seeing the purging taking place all across the country. Save My Vote 2020, a project of the Palace Investigative Fund and media partner, Tom Hartman. Their mission is to provide information to educate voters and conduct complex and deep investigative reporting. The most recent project is a way for Michigan voters to find out if their voter registrations have been purged and sign up online. This is something, uh, Avis, that they have been doing looking at Georgia. We know we've seen voter purging take place in Ohio and so many other states. Uh, and so what, what we have to contend with are the actions of the state officials uh, when it comes to uh, this very thing, when it comes to problems with, uh, with uh, these purge lists because people simply don't even know that they're sitting here with a, with a voter registration card and they've been removed from the rolls. Yeah, this is one of the most insidious methodologies uh, that the Republicans use in order to rob you of your voting rights. Uh, this is something that is very intentional. Unfortunately, it's something that we see every single election. How many Republicans have we heard uh, quoted specifically saying that if everybody votes, we lose? 
So they know that their whole strategy for eking out a victory is to disenfranchise as many people as possible, and especially disenfranchising the black community. So it is absolutely imperative. It is absolutely imperative that people not get a false sense of security by looking at their voter registration card. They have got to go and double check their registration status to make sure that they have not been purged because there are people out there every day getting paid millions of dollars in order to steal your vote. Um, Greg Powell, he joins us right now. Greg, uh, this investigation of uh, in Michigan, what is it revealing? We know, of course, in Georgia, where y'all showed that uh, 300,000 uh, ballots, 198,000 were in error. What's happening in Michigan? Well, yeah, we had uh, literally just short of 200,000 people in Georgia removed from the voter rolls by Brian Kemp's successor. Uh, in my report for the ACLU issued just a couple weeks ago, 198,000 of those voters were removed for having moved. Hey, if you left uh, Atlanta, you shouldn't be voting in Atlanta. If you left Georgia, you can't vote there, except we found out this. Uh, those 198,000 people didn't move. We know that because we hired the post office through its number one contractor, which, by the way, Georgia didn't do and they're required to do by law. You can't say uh, take away someone's registration if they've moved unless you check that with the post office. They didn't. We did. Then we also checked with the top experts in address verification, uh, which we hired uh, the guys who check for Amazon and eBay and Google. We hired them and they said, yep, these 198,000 people, uh, they may not have moved, but they have something in common. They're guilty of voting while black and voting while young. And uh, we just put out yesterday, uh, hosted at Leonardo DiCaprio's um, Instagram, was a minute, one minute film to encourage people to check their registrations. And I don't care if you've been voting at the same place for 50 years, Roland. You have to check. And, and that 50 year item is not uh, random. I was there in Atlanta when Martin Luther King's 92 year old cousin was about to vote for her 50th year at the same voting station. I was there and I filmed her when she was thrown out of that voting station because they said she had moved. Roland, I went to the house that, that she said that they said she'd moved away from. She's living at that house with Martin Luther King's picture on the wall where he because he used to have Sunday dinner with them after church every Sunday. And and so, look, I don't care how long you've been voting in one place. You check your registration or you go to save my vote 2020.org and see if you're on a purge list. If you're on the list in Michigan, in Georgia, in North Carolina or Wisconsin. Uh, please, if your name's there, you better re-register. And in Georgia, it's today. That's it. You can register online today. Please do it. Um, and so um, are we seeing any other states where they are actively purging people? Oh, yeah. So in about 30 states, you're seeing a just, just wipeout of young voters, African-American voters. Asian-American voters are also a new target. And we have a so check yourself in Ohio. This is really important. Ohio is another day that closes out. I think it closes out today. So go online to the Secretary of State's website in Ohio, or just say vote.org is another place. Vote.org. See if you're registered, and and correct your address if you aren't. If it's the wrong address, by the way, that's important. If you want to do a mail-in ballot, hey, listen, you can't mail it in if it ain't mailed out to you. If they've got your wrong address or you've been purged, you ain't getting it. We see um, in Wisconsin, 
uh, a right-wing group is suing to remove, uh, again, over 100,000 voters from the voter rolls. And if you go to gregpals.com, you'll see our reports there uh, for Wisconsin for Black Voters Matter Fund, which we did the investigation for. And we have a map showing the census tracts with the highest African-American concentration population in Milwaukee. And the voters that are being set up to be purged from the voter rolls, it's in court right now as we speak. And there's, it's almost identical. The, the voters who are being wrongly, and I want to emphasize wrongly being removed from the voter rolls and the black population in Milwaukee. And in Madison, it's all University of Wisconsin students who are being removed by the thousands from the voter rolls in, uh, or facing it in, in Madison. So it, it's, you know, remember, Trump only won Madison, uh, excuse me, won Wisconsin by 22,000 votes. Do you know that they included in, in the people they said have moved in Milwaukee was Sequana Taylor. Sequana Taylor is a Milwaukee County uh, supervisor. So she, I doubt if she moved out of Milwaukee, but that's, they have her down as moving out of Milwaukee. But of course, she was guilty of attempting to vote while black. Well, well, again, the Supreme Court has allowed this voter purging. That's one of the reasons why Republicans have been so aggressive uh, at doing so. So, Greg, we certainly appreciate all the work that you've been doing, uh, and we want to keep uh, keep folks uh, alert. Where should they go to double-check again? What's the, what's the website? Okay, check your vote at vote.org or see if you've been on the purge list at Save My Vote 2020. If that confuses you, just to go and see the film off of uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's Instagram, and that will take you right to where you can check and re-register today, today, today. All right, Greg Powell, we certainly appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Uh, Eugene, Republicans, again, are about purge, purge, purge. They want to shrink the electorate in order to help them win. Look, if you can't uh, beat them, cut them in half. Um, and that's what Republicans are doing, right? Um, when voters turn out and vote, more times than not, Republicans are not going to win because Republicans don't, aren't courting uh, the next generation of voters. They aren't courting Gen Z voters. They aren't courting black voters. They aren't courting brown voters. They aren't even courting women voters, and women have the right to vote for 100 years now, right? Um, and so what you see is that um, in a lot of these close places, a lot of these close states, these uh, close U.S. Senate races, these close House races, uh, they're doing their best to chop up the voting population um, to save seats and to save power. But, you know, you, you can, the only way you can defeat that is with overwhelming massive turnout. That's uh, what well, Teresa, uh, but again, though, but the issue that, that, which, that you're dealing with is, I mean, yeah, you look at the poll numbers that are out there, but it also comes down to enthusiasm, uh, enthusiasm on all sides. And so the question is, for black men, uh, are they going to be as enthusiastic voting uh, for Joe Biden over Donald Trump? Trump is looking at polling uh, anywhere, trying to get upwards of 20 percent of black men. And also in terms of are you going to be able to get out young people? COVID changes everything as well. Because people like, man, do I vote in person? Do I vote by mail? Is my, is my mail ballot going to count? So it's a lot of stuff that's really going on here. 
I think coming down towards the last days of enthusiasm, we have been seeing the enthusiasm rise, especially on the social, the digital, text messaging, email blasts. A lot of those platforms have been increased due to, one, the coronavirus, but two, I think a lot of people are starting to have these conversations, especially when we're looking at the numbers for the pandemic and what lives have been lost during the pandemic, and then starting to look at local and state resources resources and seeing that they're limited or not even being funded. I think people are waking up and understanding that the time is absolutely now that these 28 days, we are going to be checking to see if we're on the registration polls. Are we getting purged? And, and where is our polling locations? So I think enthusiasm is high. I think the Biden-Harris campaign has been doing very well, especially here. Um, you know, I always love plugging in Philadelphia. But uh, in Philadelphia, they have been hiring massively, um, even through all the controversy of them saying that there was uh, Trump poll workers there. Um, of course, this isn't the se season right now where poll workers are actually supposed to be there, but people who needed satellite services are able to be there. Right? So if you're not there for a service, then you got to go. But I think people, again, are starting to wake up and they're going to vote. And I think uh, since, you know, PA is one of those states where early voting is happening, um, the tabulations are coming in. And I think we'll see a very, very different number um, than we did in the primary election. Um, again, uh, Avis, uh, this, we have to be co just constantly vigilant. Uh, and we just got to keep, I just think, just nailing it over and over again so people understand what is going on here. The Trump people will do whatever necessary to cheat to win this election. They are already planning their next steps. Absolutely. I mean, they, they got in by cheating. They're going to look to stay in by cheating. I mean, in, in many ways. Uh, and so they will do whatever it is that is necessary in order to hold on to power. We need to understand that this is not a a player a play a playing field that's even. It's not one where uh, we're going to have both sides who are trying to play by the rules. Trump will do anything, and so how do you counteract that? You have to counteract that by being vigilant, uh, by going back and double checking, making sure that you are in fact registered. And you have to then go ahead, and I'm hoping that people will vote early whenever possible, vote early and in person, uh, so that if you, you know, we don't have to necessarily rely on uh, everything that has been sabotaged in terms of the Postal Service. If that is your only uh, and best route in, in regards to being safe, please, please, please follow all of those instructions to a T and vote early. We just can't afford to make any mistakes, and we have to make sure that we overperform when it comes to turnout, because we know whatever happens on Election Day, uh, this fool is probably going to try to claim victory. We cannot even make it close. Um, again, I mean, that is, uh, I mean, we're seeing all of these things uh, show up uh, in this particular uh, election. I got to go to a break, folks. We come back. Uh, the Biden campaign, they are pushing out celebrity endorsements. Of course, uh, we're going to show you uh, Frankie Beverly, uh, who dropped the video for them, also the OJs, and then also some other folks who they are trying to use uh, to drive out the black vote uh, for this election. We'll be back on Roller Martin Unfiltered.
You want to support Roller March Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to rollermartinunfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. rollermartinunfiltered.com. What's up? This is your boy Wyclef Jean. You got one vote. Use it. Hi, I'm Teresa Griffin. Hi, my name is Latoya Luckett, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. All right, folks. Uh, Frankie Beverly, of course, uh, Frankie Beverly Mays, uh, dropped this endorsement of the Biden campaign. Frankie B of Mays, we must make a change, y'all. I'm endorsing the Biden-Harris ticket for president and vice president. When I wrote the song, We Are One, it was during a time that a peace movement was happening in this great country. The Biden-Harris team understands what We Are One means. All right, folks, uh, video there froze, and so I just want to go ahead and just uh, recalibrate that so you can actually uh, see it. Uh, and then, so in addition to uh, him, uh, the OJs, they also, uh, they uh, also dropped uh, one of their songs and, uh, of course, uh, supporting Joe Biden. So let's play the Frankie video again. We must make a change, y'all. I'm endorsing the Biden-Harris ticket for president and vice president. When I wrote the song, We Are One, it was during a time that a peace movement was happening in this great country. The Biden-Harris team understands what We Are One means. They are a team of integrity and morals. Biden and Harris can bring our country together. That's why I'm voting for Team Biden and Harris. I need you all to get out and vote. All right, cool. So that's Frankie Beverly. Now, also, uh, the OJs uh, put out uh, their own uh, particular. Um, add, um, let me see if I can pull this up right here, folks, uh, their endorsement. Uh, we thought that was uh, pretty interesting. Uh, of course, y'all remember, uh, we also uh, had uh, the whispers on. They also were pushing uh, Biden and Harris as well. And so uh, this right here, let me see if I can go full screen, folks. Hold on one second. I'm going to play for you uh, this video here. Uh, of the uh, OJ's, uh, let's see here if I can go ahead and get it uh, full screen uh, for a moment here. You know what? Let's just go ahead and play it right here.
Interesting, uh, Teresa. Uh, there's some folks who say, well, you know, this is pandering. But here's the deal. First of all, the Biden campaign announced today uh, they're going to be dropping ads in battleground states featuring Monica, uh, Ludacris, uh, Jermaine Dupree, uh, and Jeezy as well. Uh, I talked about Plies, of uh, the videos that he's been putting out. But here's what's interesting. Republicans put out country music acts. They put out Lee Greenwood, uh, Ted Nugent, and others. So this idea... Uh, that this is somehow like, uh, oh my God, goodness, you can go back to the 1960s, uh, Frank Sinatra uh, and others who uh, did ads for John F. Candy. It's, this is nothing new. We put an entertainer in the White House. I mean, not all of us here on this panel, but those who voted in 2016 essentially put an entertainer in the White House. What do I mean by that? He was a celebrity. These folks are celebrities given their talents and their gifts, and they are entertaining and engaging the public in their own way that they know how to do. We are all quarantined. No one's on set. They are social distance on their computers or laptops that they're using their live stream. And they are making sure people understand that it is an important time in our country that we need to go out and vote. And they are doing it in a great way. They are doing it in a fun way. And I think we just need to encourage more artists, more local, more national, more international artists, because again, th this Election season has not only shown the importance, it has shown the resilience of every American and every person who has lost a loved one and who um, knows how great this country is. So well, I think it's just great. Well, here's what I find to be interesting, uh, Avis. Celebrities, they get to vote too. So there's a notion that somehow yeah. uh, folks should not be involved in the campaigns. Uh, as uh, Teresa said, the on that's what these fools voted for in 2016. Absolutely. And as you mentioned, celebrities want if you know want to they they can vote and they oftentimes they want to support the candidate that they're excited about. You know, the thing that really gets me though, I'm not sure exactly the comments that you're referring to, but I have seen comments similar to this using that word pandering just about everything. It's like nothing, everything is pandering, and then they'll say, We want to talk about issues. And I'm like, have you ever heard of Google? Because two point five seconds on Google, you could look up the lift every voice platform by the Biden campaign. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've had people say, oh, my goodness. Oh, uh, Biden has to put a black plan out. It's right there. It's right there. It's right there. So, you know, you know, it really annoys me when people 
see something like this and they're saying, oh, this is pandering. I want to po talk policy. It shows me how little you really care about policy. Because if you would have cared about policy, you would already know that what you're asking for already exists. Well, also, Eugene, if you cared about policy, Donald Trump wouldn't be in the White House. If you actually cared about policy, upwards of 20 percent of black men wouldn't be thinking about voting for Donald Trump. Well, it's never been about policy. As a um, political consultant, um, you're going to move more people with emotion, more people with culture, more people with um, things they relate to than you will with policy. It almost very rarely comes down to policy. Um, you know, what you see from Donald Trump has nothing to do with policy. It has everything to do with, with cultural white grievance politics. Um, you know, and, and that's what most people, I mean, you know, cultural, culture will always precede the political. Um, and while, you know, there's always, there will always be an educated uh, base or, or a uh, portion of a base that will vote strictly based on policy, you know, most people are voting based off of, hey, do I like this person or not? That's the very first thing they're voting on. You know, if I like this person or not, before they know what else of policy they, 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 they support or present. Um, and then from there, you know, it becomes, okay, how many times do I connect with this person? How many levels do I connect with this person? And those other levels are always going to top policy. So when people say, what is the policy? They're literally just looking for a BS out. Um, because more times than not, you know, they, 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 they just don't like the person and they're using policy as an excuse. I mean, to be honest with you, most people, if you go back to the primaries, you know, folk that like Bernie Sanders over Elizabeth Warren or, you know, Tulsi over Warren or Tulsi right. over Sanders right. couldn't really tell you why on a policy level. It's just that I just like this person. Yep. We saw it with people to judge. Yep. A lot of people don't even don't look at the policy. It's all about who they particularly like. All right, folks, our next guest is somebody uh, who we like very much. Uh, she's a singer, songwriter, and uh, has a new song out called Freedom. Uh, that is something that, of course, uh, black folks uh, uh, were, we're quite familiar with, something we've been uh, demanding for a very long time. Let's check this out. Is Regina Bell. Regina, how you doing? Uh, can't hear you, Regina. Say it again. 
I said I'm good. There How we go. You? Doing great. Doing great. Uh, so, look, I mean, this is certainly timely as we are in the midst of uh, an election. Uh, I think about um, uh, the song Glory that when Common said one of the lines, freedom is like a religion to us. Yes. Yes. Um, it, it, it is a part of something that we've been crying about ever since we got here. And apparently um, it's falling on deaf ears. And I'm really honored that I have an opportunity to just play a small role in being able to use my voice in this song to be able to get that message back out. Um, what inspired this? Why do you want to do this now? Um, I actually wrote the song 10 years ago, bro. I, I, it was something that um, I had written for an entirely different purpose. And um, I released it last year um, uh, after I started seeing all of the Trayvon Martin situations. And I said, you know what? Um, I'm going to use my own money because my writing partner wanted to get with a record company. And I was like, nah, 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 we ain't got time for all of that. Let me just, I'm going to use my, my cash and I'm going to put this song out. And so we put it out. But and here recently, it got picked up again because of everything that we're seeing right now. So, you know, I hate that it's, you know, kind of prophetic, but it's not really prophetic because it's been consistently going on. We just have uh, camera phones. Um, what do you make of, uh, we were talking about a little bit earlier, uh, the people who say celebrities should just shut up and not be involved in politics. Uh, they shouldn't be endorsing the folks. We don't want to hear from them. What do you say to the folks who say that? I basically say that if you have an opportunity to voice your opinion and to say what you think in terms of what people, uh, in terms of what you want, who you want to endorse, then why would you take that right from me? This, of course, uh, is uh, a critical election. And uh, uh, there are people who, and I've heard enough people who say, look, my vote means nothing. I don't see anything changing. So why should I even waste my time? What do you say to those folks uh, who have that uh, opinion? <laughs> I was at a rally on Saturday in Birmingham, Alabama. And I said that that statement makes me so crazy. It makes me so angry because as, as African-Americans, especially, um, I think everybody should vote. But I think for African-Americans, it's not only that we ha we have a right and responsibility to those who have paid so many dues, have sacrificed their lives and and done so many different things for us to be able to have this precious right to be able to walk up and cast our ballot. It, it, it reminds me of that statement where my mother said, girl, if you don't get my face, I'm going to slap you in the yesterday. So it makes me it, it, it incenses me. Because we have a responsibility, and to me, when you make that statement, you're negating that responsibility. You certainly have a unique vote shirt on uh, there. Uh, that is the uh, so the V uh, is in blood. Yep, yep, and it's it's a it's, it's signifying, like I said, um, some of my foremothers and forefathers, uh, and, and my village family, um, who sacrificed their lives, their very lives. Um, being beaten and having, and just the, even the humiliation, having to guess the number of bubbles in a, a bar of soap or a, the number of jelly beans in a jar or reciting the Constitution. I mean, these are things that they had to do that I could just walk up and, you know, present my license now and just cast my ballot. Uh, well, uh, that certainly, uh, obviously, is a huge uh, difference. Folks are asking, where'd you get the shirt from? <laughs> 
No, people. I had it like, made, that, that, actually. You had it made? My, yes, I had it made. It was an idea I came up with. And I said, um, I asked my a friend of mine who goes to our church, James Thomas, um, Knowledge Designs. I asked him to design it for me. And within a day, I had the shirt. Okay, so people are asking, where can they get it? KnowledgeDesigns.com. Huh? KnowledgeDesigns.com. KnowledgeDesigns.com. All right, yeah. so y- y'all folks, y'all bugging me talking about, uh, where can we get that? Uh, where can we get that <laughs> Regina Bell shirt, that vote shirt? Uh, look, just let y'all know. Let y'all know. So um, the uh, one of the things that I think when we, t- we talk about the... Um, uh, we talk about freedom that people have to understand is that if you understand our history, we have been in this constant pursuit of it. I often say uh, that if you look at uh, 16, it looks like we look like we lost. Uh, we're going to reconnect there. So we're going to uh, get you back uh, there for a second. Uh, we lost your signal there. Uh, one, one of the things that I am constantly saying, Regina, uh, is that what I want people to understand um, is that 351 years, you talk about 1619, going through Jim Crow, going through all of that. And then, of course, uh, uh, then, you, then you take, first of all, 1619, 1865. Uh, then you got 1865 to 1877 Reconstruction. Then, of course, you got the Great Comp- Compromise of 1877, uh, which goes from then to uh, really through uh, King's assassination in 1916 to 1970, uh, that, that the reality is that we as African Americans have only been technically fully free Americans for 50 years. Technically, because when you still look at uh, police brutality, when you look at lawsuits, when you look at all of those different things along those lines, uh, it puts it into context. We're trying to get Regina Bell back. Uh, Teresa, it puts it into context when we talk about our freedom, because when there are those who somehow think that we're all on the same page. No, we're not. We are still dealing with the reality that we don't have. We are not fully free Americans. Bondage did not uh, levy up um, after 50 years. It is still going on today. Anytime when we can have the type of rhetoric, when we can have um, our public officials calling the media untrue and unreal and irrelevant, anytime when we have the injustices of Breonna Taylor, the injustices of Trayvon Martin, and the list and the list and the hashtags go on, we can see that we are still in bondage. Where we 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 still had to fight for um, equal pay. When we still have to fight for gun lobbying um, issues. That I mean, there's just so many issues happening here in this country. It just it doesn't it really show on um, people as a whole. It, it shows on a particular injustice that happens to Black people and people of color, but more so African Americans throughout history. And it has been going on for generation after generation. And I think part of the, where it stems from is that this is a traditional mindset that is happening with some of these people that are in positions of power. And that's why we're seeing more leadership, more next generation or generation Y, more of these young advocacy groups, more Candace Owens and, and the likes are standing up and saying, listen, the time is now to actually do something different. We're starting to hear more people doing podcasts and other forums in order to express themselves because we are seeing that the divide is still here and the gap is still made. And the only way to do it is to vote. 
Um, Regina Bell is back. Regina, the point I was making is that really we've only been technically fully free for 50 years. Uh, and so African-Americans, here we are, we're still fighting uh, against voter suppression, still fighting uh, police brutality. I mean, we still are battling to be fully free Americans uh, to achieve that idea of freedom. Right. I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> I think, and, and and the the issue is so when you say stuff like you know my vote doesn't count, what do you mean your vote doesn't count? You know we're, we everybody's vote counts. You you have to look at it. I, uh, uh, one of the uh, deacons at our church said something. He said, you know, one uh, raindrop uh, doesn't do very much. He said, but that raindrop and part of a flood can wipe out a whole society, can wipe out a whole uh, community. So, and that's the way I look at this. We need the flood, but the flood has to start with the raindrop, right? Absolutely. Um, all right, Regina Bell, uh, again, the song is called Freedom. Uh, we yeah. certainly appreciate it. I take it people can uh, download it all from everywhere? Yes, from every uh, digital platform that you have, you can get it. All right, then. Well, we certainly appreciate it. Uh, and give us uh, the site again, because I want to make sure you were spelling it right, too, because I went to it, uh, and uh, it was not. So, knowledgedesigns.com? Uh-huh. All right. So, I, I need you to double-check that, uh, oh, yeah. because I went to it, uh, and uh, it was, uh, it was not, don't think it was active. Um, so Okay, let me... Yeah, let me check that, and I will hit you back. Yes, do that. So just text me back so I can give it to our audience. Uh, okay. Folks, definitely want, want one of those shirts. Okay. All right, Regina Bell, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much, Ro. All right, folks, I didn't waste my time showing y'all the video of Trump getting out of the hospital uh, because it was nothing but propaganda. Uh, but if y'all want to see stupidity, I mean, I'm talking about, when I'm talking about stupidity, absolute, unbelievable uh, undeniable stupidity. Look at this ass. Y'all, He. this is a man infected with coronavirus. He goes to film to do a photo op and he takes his mask off. This is a plum idiot. Idiot, Eugene. Idiot. Look, 28 days, folks. 28 days and we, we can rid ourselves of, of, this, of this thing. Uh, I, I can't. Well, I can't believe he actually took his mask off. Um, same way that I can't believe that you know he had the photo off stage at uh, 6:30 in the afternoon to uh, coincide with the uh, evening evening uh, newscasts. Um, but I mean, complete idiot. I mean, you know, he's currently active COVID positive. Um, I mean, literally right below him, that shot that you're showing, it's not necessarily a wide shot. It's a shot from right below him where the photographer is leaning up, taking the shot. Um, and you know he's spreading droplets actively to those photographers. This is how um, this is how know, this so is how stupid it is. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up uh, in a second what the New York Times, uh, what the New York Times um, uh, just posted. But Maggie Haberman uh, uh, just uh, put this tweet up. Um, Avis, uh, the president's advisors hope to show that he's beaten the virus and also that he understands it better than he did. First thing he did when he got to the White House was take his mask off. This is an absolute idiot. He is an idiot, but as we described previously, he's a psychopath. He has no ability to feel empathy. He literally does not give a damn about anybody's life. That is crystal clear. 
Now, I do have one message for the Biden-Harris campaign. Turn your negative ads back on. Right. Turn your negative ads back on. Go full out against this fool, okay? He is literally killing Americans. Do not hold back one iota. Take everything that you have and put it against him right now. Well, oh, I agree. I agree. Teresa, they should be, th they, they should be going uh, full tilt. Uh, I'm telling you right now, uh, Kamala Harris should not have even gone to Utah. She should have told the debate commission, hell no, I'm not going to travel, potentially infect other people. I'm in D.C. Mike Pence is in D.C. Have that damn debate in D.C. in a TV studio with no audience. They, they, should, be, yep. they should be far more aggressive. This, this fool is going to pimp this for all it's worth. Stop playing nice. I agree. Both of those um, items should happen. And, and honestly, the ball is in the campaign's court. So, I mean, I mean, they can't have a debate if one doesn't show up. You know, I mean, outside of the 48-hour press coverage that'll happen, um, you can't have a debate unless the other person shows, period. So I think they should have made that very clear um, on the aggressive sense. But also, as it relates to the advertisements, Absolutely. They should have kept the negative advertisements going. But part of it is, it's facts. It, you know, part of the, the advertisements that the Biden-Harris has been putting out has been facts since day one. And I think by them put taking a step back and giving uh, the American people a, uh, this is what we're going to do and here's the plan, I think it goes back into the narrative of what Trump was doing early on is saying, listen, we did do exactly what the Democrats are saying that we didn't do. We did rebuild the economy. So they are still throwing out those talking points. And then by us taking a step back, I think it also puts them in a position where they have to do more on the ground and engagement and more conference calls and stuff like that, where I think if we'd have kept the facts up, um, you know, early on and, and continuously with the TV heads, I don't just think right now is the time to shift any type of dialogue. No, absolutely, folks. So many being impacted by coronavirus. Millions of Americans risk losing power and water as a result of massive unpaid bills. As a result, electric and gas debts are threatening to reach or exceed $24.3 billion by the end of the year. At the start of the coronavirus pandemic, many states acted quickly to ensure the residents would not lose their power or other utilities if their jobs or wages were slashed. Now, only 21 states in the, in the District of Columbia still have such disconnection bans in place. That leaves just about 180 million Americans at risk of losing service. Joining me now is Sandra uh, Matavufri. Uh, she is a director of the D.C. Office of the People's Council. Uh, this is obviously a huge issue, issue Sandra. Uh, and uh, look, um, the Congress has not acted. They've not restored the 1200 bucks. Uh, they, they, they haven't moved at all. And here we're moving into uh, from fall to winter. People are, are definitely going to be uh, feeling the effects of this if uh, there isn't some type of action in D.C., well, that's, you're absolutely, hello, Roland, how are you? Great. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, you are absolutely right. We are reaching a critical mass with respect to the provision of essential services, such as utility services, your gas, electric, um, water, and telephone service. Uh, you're right that we have been living in somewhat of a safety net, a moratorium uh, that was the result of agencies, offices like mine, who really advocated at the very beginning to ensure that those services were not disconnected. The problem was, or is,
that not all of the states instituted them, only about more, approximately half, a little more than half. But alarmingly, many of those are now expiring. So those moratoriums are being lifted. Um, as you mentioned, there are only 20 states that currently have moratoriums, and some of those are set to expire within the next few days. We are, you know, I spoke with a reporter recently, and he said, well, are we at the cliff? We are really at the cliff and about to jump off. Um, we don't know what's going to be done. Congress has not acted. What's necessary is a universal approach, something that would maintain those moratoriums and ensure that utility consumers, that their services are provided. You know, just to step back a little, um, this is not new. And I, I, it's important for your listeners and viewers to realize that the economic burden of energy, the energy burden on African-Americans and low-income consumers has been reaching a critical mass for some time now. This is not new. It has only been exacerbated by the COVID-19 pandemic, where now you have, in addition to the inequities of energy consumption and, and paying energy bills on the African-American and low-income consumers, you now have that same body of consumers being impacted by COVID. You know, there's a greater loss of jobs. There is more unemployment. There are health issues. You know, even people have lost their family members. So all of that combined makes it even more difficult for those consumers to pay their bills. I mean, the numbers are stagger staggering. Uh, black households spend more than 43% of their income on utility bills than white households. Low-income households spend three times more on energy costs compared to non-low-income non households. And 67% of low-income households face a high energy burden and 60% of low-income households face a severe energy burden. This has got to be the only way of really getting something done is to have a national approach to it, to make certain that it goes beyond the safety net, which will you know, clearly, all of the moratoriums will ultimately expire. We need to do something to make certain that utility consumers, low-income consumers, African-American consumers don't bear or continue to bear a disproportionate amount of the cost. So what happens so, under, so if Congress doesn't act then what happens? Well, what we've done, I mean, many of the state, state offices, you know, consumer advocate offices, enlightened public officials, um, regulators, we have, you know, come together with campaigns. One, my office in particular, we have petitioned our utility commission, the DC Public Service Commission, to institute, to initiate a stakeholder group where there would be a collection of consumer advocates, the utilities, the regulators to come together with really, um, you know, different plans that would take into account, you know, the long-term impact of COVID, uh, the long-term impact of the energy burden, the disproportionate energy burden on African-Americans and low-income consumers. Um, and there are all sorts of programs and policies that, that can be instituted. And the value of that is doing it on a collaborative basis. 
so that you can, you know, the, the brightest of the bright can come together and see, you know, what can be done. And, you know, what's important also is to make certain that we have the voice of the community. You know, community members are some frequently left out of the dialogue. And, you know, that's one of the mission, that's part of my mission as a people's council to make certain that they have a voice and bring them to the table. We can hear, you know, what the problems are and then come up with concrete solutions. Uh, specifically in DC, we do have the moratorium. Uh, the mayor has extended it until December uh, 30th of this year. Um, we also, the my office, the um, Public Service Commission, the Department of Energy, and have embarked upon a we're here to help campaign to ensure that you know, consumers have the access to community, to programs, energy efficiency programs and payment programs. You know, one of the other parts of this is that the moratoriums were absolutely necessary. The safety net is absolutely necessary. But what has happened is that the arrearage levels have gone up which means that those consumers who did not pay their bills during the during this period got it once those moratoriums are lifted those bills they're going to have bill shock and that's one of the parts of the campaign that we engaged in was to ensure that we're telling people you know pay your bills if you right. can you know whatever you can contribute but well, 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 first of all, again, we, well, we, we certainly hope Congress is going to act uh, and do something, but we need some leadership uh, on Capitol Hill, but they probably won't do anything before the election, but they'll find time to rush through a Supreme Court nominee. Uh, Sandra, we certainly appreciate it. Hopefully people will follow the lead of D.C. and these other states uh, and help those who are most in need who have been impacted by coronavirus. But we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank uh, you very much. All right, then. Um, f final comments. Uh, I'll go to you, Avis. Look, this is, again, this is how everyday people are being impacted by coronavirus, and political leaders aren't doing jack, and all Trump is doing is photo ops. Can't hear you. I'm sorry. There we go. Bad. The only I want to make sure that my mom's dog didn't make his own appearance on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Um, the the only thing that the leadership in Washington right now is is really concerned with, specifically the leadership in the Senate, uh, is trying to push through their uh, recommendation in terms of the Supreme Court. Uh, we know that Mitch McConnell does not care about passing any legislation that really meet the needs of people who are hurting right now. It's not a priority. So if that's not a priority for him, we need to make sure that come November, their re-election to the Senate is not a priority for us. Uh, Eugene. I, I agree, I agree 100% with Davis that look, um, you know, their only goal right now is to maintain power. Um, and not even with an end game uh, or with an agenda, just for power's sake. Um, it's the reason we aren't going to see a COVID patch before the election. It's the reason that um, you know, you know, some of the states aren't taking the same action that Maryland or DC is taking in protecting consumers from um, you know public utilities that are already out of control. Um, and look, you know, the only way to properly check them is is to provide term limits via election. Um, Lindsey Graham said it best: "You don't like me, you can limit my term on election day." And um, I think that's about time what happens. Uh, Teresa. 2020 is the year of clarity. I think this is, has been an eye-opener for every American to do their just do, which is to take notes 
um, of who's doing what and who's not doing what and who's not saying anything, what bills that are sitting in the Senate that can impact your lives and our lives of our family members and those who have died under whose watch and why it happened so soon. So I think it is an opportunity for everybody to vote 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 and vote responsibly all right then avis eugene teresa i really appreciate it thank you so very much all right folks coming up next the roller martin unfiltered fit live win we'll talk about why all movement is important when it comes to you uh, getting your health in check and also uh operation hope founder john hope Bryan talks about his new book uh speaking truth to power when it comes to black folks and building wealth that is next on roller martin unfiltered we could get Lil Wayne, Drake, The Migos, Cardi B, Beyonce, Jay-Z, Kanye. We got to get every person that they listening to to say something informational and positive about voting because it, they not listening to the average just vote. Let's, we gotta have to do some skits about why and what happens when you don't vote. It, it, you know, when you don't vote, then you have no community. You're like, hey, they changed Dowling Street to emancipation. I don't want that. Did you vote? Did you, because they asked, they asked. You know, you gotta get, you gotta hit people where they, where they stand at, like, understand what you're not getting by not voting. Let me, let me give you a concept of, hey, you know you could have this, and this school could be better. It could have this in this school, but you know how you get that? By voting. But you don't wanna, you don't wanna vote. What you need me to do? You want me to put a, a food truck in front of every voting stand I'm handing out? As you vote, get your hot plate, as you, as you walk off, you know, what do I need to do to get you to understand that this is, oh, I, do I need to get a bus and, and drive around and go to every elderly home and pick them up? Pick them up. Tell them we, we doing, it's bingo. You know what I'm saying? Pick, pick them up. <laughs> they gonna get on that bus. They, they, they're going to bingo. And we got free divers, too. <laughs> So the top of the show, I played for you a video uh, by uh, Plies, and uh, it, on that note that Ali Sadiq was talking about, uh, about voting, this is a video that Plies put out that uh, actually speaks to that, uh, and let's see if you agree. This is something I've been trying to figure out the answer to. We live in a country, 300 and some million people, and the majority don't feel that people who are incarcerated should be able to participate in our democracy. They shouldn't have the right to vote because they're incarcerated. Voting ain't a privilege. The system tries to make us believe that voting is a privilege. It's like in the education in this country. That ain't deemed as being a privilege. I can I can have been went to jail and I still have the right to get an education in this country. So why is it I think besides two states, Vermont and Maine, that they're able to participate in an election, but the other 48 states in this country, people who are incarcerated can't participate in our election. And this is the problem that I got with it. You're saying they're not good enough citizens to participate 
in our election only because you know the power of the vote. But you're saying they're good enough citizens to still pay this country taxes. You're saying they're still good enough citizens to provide this country with free labor. You're saying they're still good enough citizens to pay child support. So how is it that you act like voting is a privilege and now they do something wrong and you say, we're taking your voting rights away from you? And how is it that the majority don't see this as being un-American? I don't understand that for the life of me. How are these people not good enough to participate in our democracy and to cast they vote? They're gonna some of them, most of them may get out of jail next month, next week, next year. They still have to live in a society that they should be able to have their voice heard based on the rules and regulations they still gonna have to abide by. So how they're not good enough to participate in our democracy, but they still good enough to pay you taxes. Somebody please explain that to me. You know what? Before I go to my next guest, um, I just want to say a couple of words because um, I spoke earlier about some issues that people have with celebrities and and them voicing their opinion. And, and, and somebody put on YouTube, Plies, really? Please tell me what he just said that others on this show have not said. Please tell me what he just laid out, what was so bad about that. He has 8.1 million Instagram followers. Plies does. I, I'm, I'm good with that. I'm, I'm not jealous of it at all. But, but just understand, I got 552,000. He's got 8.1 million. He's got 941,800 Twitter followers. YouTube channel, same thing. He's got 1.13 million. So that means between YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter, Plies has in excess of 10 million followers. Why in the hell am I going to get caught up in why he doing a video in his car? Why does he sound like that? What's wrong with his high-pitched voice? Look at the grill that's in his mouth. Tell me what he said that was wrong. How can we demand that LeBron and KD and Steph Curry and athletes and entertainers how can we demand that they care about politics and the news and issues and the election and then we are so arrogant that we then start, well, you know, they don't look right, they don't sound right, uh, well, I don't know why we showing that. He is reaching a group of people who don't watch this show. And I'm grateful 
that there are entertainers like him who are willing to pick the phone up and call folks like me and call folks like my next guest, John Hope Bryant, to actually talk about these very things because we need all folks on deck when it comes to these issues. But some of us need to stop being so damn arrogant that we don't like the package that's presenting the information when I would much prefer to have guys like Plies doing exactly what he's doing, using his platform to share knowledge and information with the people that follows him. That, to me, is how we're going to see a level of change in this country. John O'Brien breaks this down to a certain degree in his book, Up From Nothing, the untold story of how we all succeed. Fort Worth is by Ambassador Andrew Young. John, uh, that was a perfect intro to it because it really does bother me when black folks want to play the respectability game, when if you get caught up in, well, I don't like that song T.I. did, but when he spoke at Operation Hope, when he talked about black people monetizing our culture, what, what T.I. was saying is no different than what I'm doing by saying having my own digital show monetizing our culture. I think some of us get caught up in, well, I don't like how the package look, as opposed to what are they saying? But it's, Roland, as usual, you're prophetic and you're on point. And um, I think you're one of the classic voices for black America, in black America, to black America, about black America, during a 40-year-old social justice reckoning. So you're living in a moment in history and you're playing an extraordinarily important orchestra role. Uh, so thank you for that. Uh, you're prophetic. I just talked to T.I. yesterday, oddly enough. I just messaged him, messaged to him uh, just now a copy of the new book. It comes out tomorrow from nothing. And um, I, 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 my only problem with... Um, this conversation, and I put it in the book, is it's a spectator conversation. Right. Um, I say that there's three substantive roles that we play uh, in society. There's three types of mentality, surviving mentality, thriving mentality, and a winning mentality. Winning are builders. You're a builder. You're building a platform, building an audience, building a, building a brand, building wealth, building community. You're a builder. Um, and that's what made this country. There are also three types of categories of leaders. There are hunters, there are skinners, preparers, and there are cooks. And uh, you and I are also hunters. Um, and every role is important. But what often happens in our community is we are obsessed with being the spectator. We talk about the celebrities, we talk about the athletes, we talk about this, we talk about that. But people who are builders talk about their ideas, not other people. And we spend an enormous amount of time and get no return on investment 
for doing just that, spectating and talking. And somebody else, here's a real, here's a real sin, Roland. Somebody else, social media companies, are taking now the most valuable asset in the world other than real estate, uh, which is our social media profiles, and they are monetizing that without our participation. It's like we're sharecroppers. We don't even get a share. Uh, without our participation, they are taking our uh, our uh, profiles and all of our information and selling it to advertisers or promoters, including the folks that we're talking about who are opinion makers. Here's my only problem with this whole conversation. Um, you have, in the Jewish community, 15 million people, 7.5 million here in the U.S., 15 million people worldwide, trying to fill out $20 trillion of GDP. They're lawyers, they're engineers, they're bankers, they're uh, they're, they're, in real, they're in music business, they're in this business, they're in that business, they're in real estate business, they're everywhere. With black folks, you have 40 million black folks obsessed about rapping and professional sports, which account for about 5,000 jobs. And that's just not a good strategy. Like, I, I love T.I. I can't scale him. <laughs> I love LeBron. I can't scale him. I love Oprah. I can't scale her. The fact that we know these people by name is a problem. So it's a multifaceted conversation, but we've got to flip. We, we, we have to have the opportunity glass way open up here. 40 million black people cannot be trying to fill 5,000 slots. We need 40 million black people trying to fill 120 million slots in a $20 trillion economy. But we're chasing about $60 billion of activity in a $20 trillion economy because we all want to be the rapper, the singer, the bounce a ball, rock a ball, rock a mic, or talk about somebody doing one of those things, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I, I remember I was, uh, I did the, um, I did um, one of the Q&As with uh, David Talbert, uh, who directed um, This Christmas. Um, was this Christmas or almost Christmas? I forgot one of the Christmas movies. And what was interesting about that is we, we were talking we were talking about the opportunities uh, behind the camera. And David said, David said, guys, let me help you all out. He said, everybody wants to be a director. He said, you know, I direct a movie. I'm spending the next six, seven, eight, nine months um, 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 editing and trying to work on it. He said, yeah, there's people working my crew. They've worked on two, three, four other movies in that same time span. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about opportunities. Uh, I had a young lady who worked for me uh, at TV One who wanted to be on air. And she came to me and she was like, you know, yeah, but, you know, uh, and, and, and she, she absolutely could be, could, I mean, I saw it early, could be a great executive producer. Right. But she was desperate to be on air. She's like, right. well, yeah, but she came to me. She's she like, were you on air? I said, no, no, let me help you out. I said, that was, I said, my choice wasn't to be on air. I said, the power is behind the scenes. I said, because there are finite positions on air. I said, you go to a cable network, there's one host. There are 20 producers. So, that's, so, so to your point, if everybody's trying to be the host and you're totally ignoring all the producer jobs, guess who actually lasts longer than hosts? Producers. But, but but Roland, that's not even where, if people want to get paid, which I'm, I'm actually, I think that's the wrong approach. Getting paid, making money, that's different from building wealth. That's it's a completely different thing. And you make get paid, make, make money, and still go broke. You build wealth, you will never be broke a day. You never, you'll never be poor a day in your life. It's a mindset. But when, but when T.I. When called me this weekend, he wasn't talking about no 
no rap show. He wasn't saying, John, come to my next concert. He wasn't talking about the, the music he just dropped. He said, John, I need me and my boy, another brand name artist, who I won't name without his permission, we need to talk to you this week about starting a real estate fund. Can you come talk to us? Tell me what day you're, you're, you're available. We'll change our schedules. We need to talk to you about a real estate fund because we think on the back end of COVID that the, the, you'll be bargaining on the way down and then value on the way up and they aren't growing any more land. Talk about his trap museum. That he and he says, look, John, I own the land. It gives me, it gives, it gives me, I can do whatever I want in the museum. I want to franchise this. His, even under the music, Roland, he understands his technology, the engineers, the computer technology, the, the, the robotics, the AI, even underneath the music business and even underneath the sports business is technology. Technology is driving everything. But are there black engineers, which is a bulletproof job? You'll never go broke. No. Are, where are the black computer technicians? Where, where, where are the black investment bankers? All the areas where the economy is booming, we're, uh, uh, we're nowhere to be seen because we don't have a business plan. We have an emotional plan. And, and what I'm trying to do in this book is to finally deliver, Roland, what you and I have been talking about, a business plan, not for an individual, right? for a family, for the community, for a state. And I actually believe this is the business plan for America. I think you and I talked about this over the weekend, I, I, and you enlightened me. I'm going to steal a phrase. I think we're dealing with a third reconstruction here. I think we're in a third reconstruction, but, but are we... Are we are we in this moment? Are we? Are we just sort of as as uh, Malcolm X said? We've been we've been bamboozled. We've been tricked. We've been fooled. We're getting robbed, in my opinion, in broad daylight. Again, Ti and all these recording artists that people love, the the Grant Hill. Are we talking to him tomorrow? They all want to talk about business, Roland. Not right. what they're doing on right. bouncing the ball or rocking the mic. No billionaire in sports or entertainment got their billions from sports or entertainment. They got their billions by leveraging their brand in sports and entertainment and going into business, well, going why, over to corporate. That's why when you talk about the the notion of changing mindset, and, and, I, and yes. I think that for, I, I think one of the greatest, and look, I understand how it happened. Yeah. I understand why it happened. But the number of African-Americans who have been raised and all we heard from grandparents and parents, get you a good job. Yeah. Get your education and get you a good job. That was a second reconstruction. And that's and that's the thing. It was like they just, get uh, 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 just 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 get you a good job. And then when you try to strike out on your own, oh, you sure you want to do that? I mean, you mean you know, you know, uh, uh, you got you a good job. But the reality is, how about if I do this and I can supply good jobs to 20 other people, yeah. which actually means if you want to live by your good job, I can actually employ my family. I can actually that's create right. something and I'm actually employing other people. And, and that's also, so, so it's that mindset, but also it's just the fear. It, I mean, that, yeah. that, 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 that the scare, oh no, I, I, I just don't know. And then you, ne then you never take the shot. That's why T.I. was so proud this weekend. I asked him what he was proud of. His father raised him to be industrious and hardworking. Hustle, he said, but my dad said, take care of your family. Take care of your woman. Take care of your responsibilities. Make sure there's some money in your pocket. And hustle, okay? Then, you know, think about a win the winning mindset is really what I'm talking about in this new book. 
up from nothing. And, the, and, and what I want everybody to focus on before they call Operation Hope, be, before they call the Urban League, before they call you, Roland, we, we got to get our mind right. So that, that, that first reconstruction after the Civil War was about basic freedom, basic dignity. Uh, and then we had, we had for a year, it was more progress in a year than it was in 100 years. Uh, but then it dropped off. Reconstruction was stopped. And then the second Reconstruction was really about political empowerment, the right to vote, yep. and a good job. The professions, that's what you're talking about. It's about cashing the check. So now we have this whole group of folks who cash check. My mother included. My mother didn't want me to become an entrepreneur. She was worried about me. Right. Right? Uh, and no, you know, baby, you should, you, should, you should be doing that and get you a job working over here at $15 an hour. I didn't want that. I wanted to go, I want, I wanted to write the check, not cash it. Do you, Roland, you, 96% of all black businesses today don't have an employee. Yep. That's not business. That's busyness. That's not wealth creation. That's, that's treading water. And, and of those companies, they're doing an average revenue of $54,000. Which is a self-employment project. That means that the city of Hoosie Watts, which you retired from, gave you a contract, and you're riding that until the, until the, the wheels fall off. And when it's over, the person retires to the city, you're out of a contract. There is, no, there is no passing it down to anybody else. There's no generational wealth. And that party's over. Look at all our institutions. We don't have a billion-dollar black bank. We don't have HBCUs that have endowments. Our institutions are slowly unwinding. Yeah, substa su substantial endowments. What you're saying, right. Because we are a genius. Go ahead, Roland. Yeah, no, no, no. We're saying substantial endowments. I mean, they're endowments, but but they're, they're very small. I'm sorry. And the bottom line is they're they're, they're they're teetering on the brink. Uh, and and when you talk about big endowments, you're only talking about three schools: Spelman, Morehouse, Spelman, Spelman Morehouse. Albert. Uh, uh, Howard, you can throw in some other ones, but then what ends up happening is, but then you compare them to other schools, it ain't, it's not even a conversation. And I, and I just think that I, when, when you talk about, again, the piece of mindset, it, because what people, well, everybody who's listening and who's watching have to understand is that before you can even make that leap, you have to actually make it right here. I mean, I mean, I, I will never forget, John. I'll never forget June of 2018, sitting sitting on the phone with with my agent, with my fraternity brother, and and he was just saying, uh, he was saying, he's like, look, he's like, look, TV One is putting this on the table. Let's just take the deal. And I was like, no, because if I take that deal, I can't do anything else with any other black media company. I said, so what if somebody comes along and they acquire Ebony or somebody comes along and they buy this or they or they launch this and they want me to partner? I can't do it. I said, because right. of the contract. I said, so I don't care what you negotiate. I'm not going to take the deal. And I was and I, and I said and I, and I, I bet on me. I said, you know what? I know I can make this successful. I know I can build this and grow this. I know it's not going to be easy, uh, and it wasn't easy. I know I'm going to have to dip into savings and shift my speaking money to pay staff uh, if yeah. it's short, but I believe we can build it. We yeah. triple revenue in year two. Yeah. We're looking at, but, but again, which, you know, again, again, building it, staff has never been paid a day late. Yeah. I don't know many startups can actually, definitely I don't know how many black startups can actually say they've never paid their staff late one day. But it's, 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 but it's, it's, but, but it had to be here first 
before I can say no. Roland, if somebody, if you had an investor group backing you, they would have got an incredible return on investment in two years um, because of the model that you created. You created a good business, but you had to bank, you had to believe in yourself. A winner, again, this is uh, it's about mindset. I, I'm, just, I'm pounding this in this book up from nothing. Mindset, mindset, mindset. A winner believed they were a winner before they won anything. When I was 10 years old, nine years old, I tried to get a, uh, similar to your story, about the radio negotiations, I tried to go to the liquor store owner, Mr. Mack, in my neighborhood in Compton. You're selling the wrong kind of candy. Go away, little boy. I've got to know, know what I'm doing. You're selling the wrong kind of candy. Come work for me and, and sell candy for me. No, I don't want to do that. So I, tr- I said, look, I'm trying to give you, you need two things. You need a software grade on how you're selling candy, and you need a little competition to get your attention. He ignored my idea about the software grade, about the advice of how to do it better, so I decided to give him competition. So I... Went to go work for him three, for three weeks, learn out where he bought the candy, worked in the, his worst job he had as a box boy. He paid me for research. I quit. Three weeks later, I opened up the neighborhood candy house and put him out of business at 10 years old. What did that do for my self-esteem, for my confidence, for my belief in myself? I'm an entrepreneur today because of that early experience where I banked on me. And I now employ hundreds of people, and hopefully I will now employ thousands of people. Uh, and, and all the people who told me, go get rich, go get paid, make this easy money, be a salesman, be a broker, basically be a performer for somebody else's product. I'm like, that's all good. I'm sure somebody's talented in that regard. I'm not a rapper because I don't hate rapping. I love rapping. It's not my talent. I'm, I'm not a basketball player. It's not my talent. I'm a professional athlete up here. You're a professional athlete up here. And we're exhausted every day because we're using this like a professional athlete. But I built the largest nonprofit financial inclusion organization in America, Operation Hope, and the largest for-profit owner of single-family rental homes in America, the Promise Homes Company, $110 million today, one of the top 100 businesses in America, Black-owned business in America, in three years, Roland. Mm-hmm. That last one, in three years. And I'm, I'm doing it part-time because I refuse to listen to the naysayers and the haters and people saying you can't do it and society saying, oh, racism is going to keep you from it. No. I'm over the round to do it. I'm going to get to it. When I get up in the morning, the devil says, oh, crap, he's up. Same with you. The, it's all my mindset. Uh, folks, uh, show the book again. Uh, folks, it again is a book that you definitely uh, want to get. It is called Up From Nothing, The Untold Story of How We All Succeed by John Hope Bryant. John, we appreciate it. Thanks a bunch. Love you, Roland. Love you, brother. Thanks, Thanks a bunch. Folks, same thing. We talk about mindset, let's transition to our next topic, and that is same thing when it comes to health and wellness. Yesterday, I posted a, um, I posted a, 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 a posted a, a video, huh? Okay, do we have Jim Jones? Okay, we're supposed to have Jim Jones today. Can y'all, uh, but he was rescheduled. Thanks for telling me now. All right, um, but the same thing is what I'm gonna say. I posted a video yesterday Normally, we do Fit, Live, Win on Mondays. I posted a video yesterday, and a brother uh, goes, oh, you need to get your heart rate up. So what I did was I posted because I was watching television for an hour. So I said, you know what? If I'm going to watch TV. Let me just go ahead and just put the treadmill on 2.0, and I'm just going to walk for an hour on the treadmill while I watch TV. So this brother tells me I need to get my heart rate up. I should be exerting more. I was like, dude, I, I posted that because the point was to get people moving. 
the point was don't just watch TV sitting on the couch, moving. And so he was he was going through this whole this whole this whole thing this whole thing. And I'm going, what 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 are you doing? I said, and so Jim jumped on. We're gonna have with Jim on because we're gonna talk about this whole deal. How same thing mindset. That versus me saying I'm just gonna watch this movie sitting on the couch. I chose to watch the movie while walking on the treadmill. It doesn't matter if I was walking slowly. It doesn't matter if I wasn't sitting here pumping my heart. The point is I was moving and I'm actually expending more calories doing that than I would be if I was actually on the treadmill. So to what John is saying, it's the exact same thing. So whether we're talking about getting health, whether we're talking about changing our diet, about anything else, it is about how we think and how this operates, how this works. And I think for a lot of us, uh, we need to have uh, that change of mindset. That's how we have this show. That's why this show was actually launched because in 2000, late 2017, I knew Tom Joyner was retiring at the end of 2019. I said, we need to be sure that we have a platform that specifically speaks to black people. So when the 2020 election comes around, we are in position to be able to have an impact. Saw it then. Literally saw it three years before. And so that's why we have Roller Martin Unfiltered. That's why we are building this. We want your support to help us do that. Join our Bring the Funk fan club. Uh, of course, every dollar you give goes to support this show. Uh, you can join by, by of course, uh, joining our Bring the Funk fan club. More than 13,000 people have actually joined. Cash app, dollar sign, RM Unfiltered. PayPal.me forward slash RMartinUnfiltered. Venmo.com forward slash RM Unfiltered. You can send the money order to New Vision Media, NU Vision Media, Inc., 1625 K Street, Northwest, Suite 400, Washington, D.C., 2006. All those people who give 50, 50 bucks or more, I will give a personal shout-out. I'll read those names off on the show tomorrow. If you're on YouTube, you could give right there. Nearly 5,000 of you right there. You can give right there uh, on YouTube uh, to support the show. We got gear you can also purchase as well. Bottom line, folks, this is about us being able to speak to our issues right here on the show. I will see you guys tomorrow. Have a good Monday. Joe Biden's having a town hall on NBC. Check it out with Lester Holt. I will be checking it out as well. And don't forget, go to vote.org or IWillVote.com to make sure you are registered. We have to hashtag Fire Trump in November. He got to go. Shout out to GreekTraditions.net for shooting me this uh, alpha shirt. First of all, uh, we vote because it matters. Uh, thanks a bunch, folks. I'll see y'all later. Holla! Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. From BBC Radio 4. 
Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.